Life is full of disappointments and wounds and hurts. And we know there is an enemy who steals and kills and destroys. But Jesus has given us life and hope and peace. And we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and darkness. We've been called to be overcomers, and we can, and we will. I love that song, don't you? My, my life needs you right now. Amen. Love this worship. The United States Navy has a new gun. And oh, my soul, you cannot believe this gun. How many of you have ever heard of the rail gun? Anybody? Oh, a bunch of you have. Take a look at this video. You're not going to believe what you see. That's pretty awesome if you think about it. To, to send a missile seven times, seven times the speed of sound with accuracy up to 100 miles. 100 miles for crying out loud. That's pretty amazing. But no matter how accurate this weapon is, no matter how great and powerful this weapon is, it cannot stop Satan. No army, no weaponry can stop the greatest enemy that we have coming against our life. We need spiritual weapons against this foe. And this is what I want to talk to you about today. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, that the weapons of our warfare are not physical, but they are mighty in God to the bringing down of strongholds in our life. We're in a series entitled The Invisible War. It is a series on spiritual warfare. You are striving to live for God. You are yielding yourself to God. You are longing for God to use you, and you are yielding yourself to let God do that, and you are living the Christian life. People at work know that you are a Christ follower. You share your faith with others. You're not perfect. You don't do everything always perfect, but you're authentic. You're real. You love Him, and you're striving with all your life, with all your heart to honor Him. In your classroom, at your school, at your job, 
You love God and you're showing that truth in your life. In your marriage, you're striving to build your home around the core of your home, around God. You want Him to be the center of your family. You're striving to live for Him, to walk with Him. You're not perfect. No family's perfect. But you are striving to let God and the truths of God's Word be that which you follow in your family. You're making a difference. You're making an impact. I can tell you for certain that Satan will come against you and against your family. This church is making an impact in this region. Every single Sunday we see people come to faith in Christ. We see people come and visit this church and we're seeing lives be changed and marriages be healed. We're seeing families come back together again. We're seeing families grow stronger with each other again. You can't believe how many people all week long that I have come up and say to me at a store or whatever, God is so using this church in my life. God is using this church to touch my family. God is changing my life. I'm in the Word now. I'm beginning to grow stronger. My life is growing more healthy in my walk with God. This church is making an impact in this region, and you can be a certain of this thing that Satan will come against this church. There is a battle going on. There is warfare going on. And God has said to us, there are weapons of this warfare, spiritual weapons that I've given to you that I want you to use. You can be successful in this life as you do battle against the enemy. The the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, and all of this that we're talking about in this series, The Invisible War, is coming out of Ephesians chapter 6. Already we've talked about who our enemy is, and now we're talking about the weapons of our warfare. Last Sunday and today we're talking about the defensive weapons of our warfare. Next Sunday, the offensive weapons that God has given to us. The Apostle Paul was writing the book of Ephesians while he was a prisoner in Rome. He wasn't in prison. He wasn't in jail. He was, he was under house arrest, but he had a Roman soldier 24-7 right there watching his ever movement. They would take shifts. Maybe it was four or six or eight hours, but they would come in in shifts. But all of them, though they were different, their uniform was the same. Their armor was the same. And I am sure the Holy Spirit sort of nudged Paul one day and said, do you notice the armor? Every piece of armor of these Roman soldiers represents yet another weapon that I have given those who are my followers. Identify each one of these weapons corresponding to the armament so they can understand it better. And so Paul writes this passage that we're looking at today. He writes this about the weapons of our warfare. I want to ask you to do me a favor if you will. I'm going to ask all of us to stand. I want us to read the passage out loud together. I don't know if you enjoy doing that, but I love it when I hear you saying the the Word of God. So I'm going to ask us to begin with starting with the word therefore. Are you ready? Here we go. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Did you notice the very first part says, put on the whole armor of God. God doesn't put the armor on us. God provides the pieces of armor, but He doesn't put the armor on us. We have to put on the armor in our life. you got to be proactive about your Christian life. You can't be passive as a Christian and expect to live an overcoming Christian life. you got to be active. you got to own your faith. you got to own your walk with God. you got to put the energy and the effort in your walk with Jesus Christ. You've got to open your heart to His words. You've got to begin to hear what He has to say. You've got to own this Christian life to be successful. You must put on the armor of God on you. We looked last week at three of the weapons that God has given to us. We saw the belt of truth. We saw the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes of peace. This morning, I want us to look at the next two the fourth and fifth weapon that God has given to us. Weapon number four is the shield, the protection that comes from trusting God. Roman soldiers, first, look at verse 16. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Roman soldiers actually had two shields. They had a small shield that looked just like this, and they used this shield, they took this shield around in peacetime. Maybe they were out on patrol. Maybe, maybe they were just sort of keeping the peace in some part of the kingdom. And uh, their armament that they took was this as their shield, a small one, because more than likely if they ever had a scuffle with anybody, it'd be hand-to-hand combat and it would be unexpected. There it is. This shield was easy to take with them. But they also had a shield of war, a war shield, and that looked like this picture. That's huge. In fact, this shield that they would use in battle, this shield was four and a half feet tall and two and a half feet wide. They could actually crouch down behind it, and it would totally shield their whole body. Paul is talking about that second shield when he says to us that our shield is referencing our personal trust in God. Our faith in God shields our life. Our faith, your faith in God shields your life. Our faith in God shields our life. Faith is when we choose to believe God even when we don't understand what He's doing. Have you ever been in a situation and you don't know what in the, what is God doing? I, what doesn't make any sense at all. But I choose to trust God even when I don't understand what He's doing. That is faith. Faith is acting on a promise of God when it hasn't even materialized. That's what faith is. It is acting on a promise of God before it ever happens. Faith is willing to do what God has told you to do 
Even when all the emotions of your life is crying out and saying, go the other direction. No, I choose to do what God told me to do. That is faith. Our faith in God shields our life. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he or she that, that desires God must, come, must believe that God is who God says He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. God requires faith from us. Hebrews chapter 6 Chapter 11, verse 6. God requires faith from us. Our faith shields our life. I have read some stories of guys who have been prisoners of war. I don't know if you've ever read those kinds of stories. Here are the guys that have gone out to battle, have gone out to fight on the behalf of our country, and they have been taken prisoner. Their battle is over on that battlefield, but there is another battle that has just begun that might be more, even more lethal for them. I'm understanding that guys who have become prisoners of war oftentimes experienced being beaten up on regular days, regular intervals, to keep beating down their resistance. They would take them in and they would beat them up to the point they couldn't even stand anymore to beat down their body over and over again. But it was the mental battle that was the most lethal of all. It was the mental battle of lies and propaganda that every single day they were subjected to. Your country has already forgotten you. Your country is a criminal nation. Your wife has probably already remarried. She doesn't even think you're alive anymore. She thinks you're dead. No one cares about you anymore. You will die in this place, and you will be forgotten forever. And over and over and over and over, the mental war that is brought against these prisoners of war, I am told as I read these stories, is astounding. So many of these guys, as they experience this day after day, week after week, month after month, began to break. The guys that hold on, the guys that stay sane in the midst of all this, are the guys that learn how to build a mental shield in their life. This is what I've read. I read a story about a guy who had been a pianist, a pretty accomplished a pianist before he entered the military, and then in the middle of a battle, he was taken prisoner of war. And he was going through all this, subjected to all of this mental anguish that was coming against him. And how he held it together is that in his cell, by himself, he would close his eyes and he could see every key on the keyboard. And he would begin to play in his mind the, the, the songs that he used to play. And he would even do an entire concert in his mind. And he could begin to hear the music. He could listen as he heard each key being struck. And he could hear the music. And he began to be enveloped in the middle of the music of his concert. And it held him together. It was a mental shield. I read the story of a guy who had been at least a student of, 
of uh, architecture, and he was then joined the, the military, he was in a battle, he was taken prisoner of war, and he would begin to construct in his mind, design in his mind, buildings, architecture, architecture, and he would begin to build these buildings in his mind and all the little rooms in it and all the systems that go inside the building. He began to put that into his mind, and it was his way of building a mental shield. Most of the guys that I read about were in Sunday school as little kids growing up, and they heard the stories from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and, and it seems as though God would, would bring back their memory. He would sort of help them as they remembered each one of these stories, and even verses that they had memorized in Sunday school seemed to come back, and they would remember those verses, and they would begin to quote the verses, and they'd go over the verses over and over again, and they would go through every story over and over again, and it fed them strength and faith and grace. It was a mental shield that God used for them. You and I are in the middle of a battle. You and I have Satan coming against our life, and our faith in what God has said to us about who we are and his faithfulness to us, our faith is our shield of protection. 2 Samuel chapter 22 verse 31 says, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to those who trust him. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. God is saying to you and I, when we are going through the attack of the enemy, and he is coming against our life, trying to fill our heart with all of his propaganda and all of his lies, that shield that God has given to us is our faith in God. It shields our life. Now, when the enemy comes to attack, the enemy's arrows are temptations to disbelieve God. Listen to how it put, he puts it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What does that mean, these flaming arrows? Well, I want you to imagine that you're on a battlefield or you're overseeing a battlefield and the, on, on, the, on one side, it is the Roman army that has gathered. On the other side, it's the Persian army. For the first two or three hundred years of the first century, uh, uh, the beginning of the new uh, uh, A.D., Romans and Persians were in, it seemed like, constant battle and warfare. Neither one of them could win anything. They were just constantly at war with each other. And so there's no doubt that when Paul was talking about this, he was thinking of the Persian army. So here they are, the Romans on this side, the Persians on this side. And before they do hand-to-hand -hand combat in the middle of that battlefield, what happens first is that the archers send these arrows to pick off as many of these Roman soldiers as they can. The Persian archers would take that that. Uh, arrow and wrap the arrowhead with cloth and then dip it into pitch and then light it, set it on fire, and they would send these arrows. 
But they didn't send just a handful of arrows. We're talking about thousands, tens of thousands of flaming arrows to pick off as many of the Roman soldiers as possible. The Roman soldiers had this war shield, and they could get behind the war shield, and it would help if there was just a handful of arrows coming. But tens of thousands of arrows, it would not hold up. And in those moments in which tens of thousands of arrows or flaming arrows are on their way, they would see what was happening as the archers are on that hillside. They would see what's happening, what's about to take place, and they would go into this formation. Take a look at this next picture. They would do, it's called the tortoise formation, like a turtle, a tortoise formation in which they would continue to advance, but they would advance this way. See the shields in the front, see the shields over top. And so no matter how many arrows, flaming arrows would come, it would just, they would just bounce off and this group would continue, this formation, continue marching forward. You and I are experiencing the flaming arrows of our enemy. And if he shoots two or three, you and I experience them every day. He shoots some arrows at us. We recognize it, and we can handle it in our life. But when it seems as though it is piling up, when it seems as though things are so falling apart in our life, things are so coming against us, we cannot hold our own. God intended that we not be that way. God intended that you and I not live the Christian life as solos. He never intended for us to be separated from other believers and to live the Christian life on our own. He intended for us to live the Christian life in community. This is the whole idea of connect groups. This is why we put such an emphasis on it in this church, the whole idea of connect groups, because it's connect groups in which we build a sense of community. This large church becomes so small in those community groups, connect groups. In the connect groups, there's a time of Bible study, and there's incredible teachers. We have the most amazing teachers, and they teach God's Word. And it is a vital part of the connect group, but it's not the only part. If that's all it is, we're missing the point, because the point of connect groups is not just Bible study, though Bible study is vital, but it is also the fellowship part, the growing and understanding of each other, coming to know each other, and sharing life together where we build these Christian friendships and we, we find strength with each other and encouragement with each other. And even during the week, we share life with each other. We need each other when the flaming arrows of Satan come against our life. You need that connect group. Every one of us are experiencing every day Satan and, an evil and his evil organization bringing temptations into our life. These are what the arrows are, bringing temptations into our life. Satan shoots the arrows to erode your commitment to your marriage. You know what I'm talking about. He wants you to be your marriage to fall apart. He wants to erode your commitment to your spouse. He brings temptations in your life. He brings resentment in your life. He brings anger in your heart. He wants to destroy what God is bringing forth in your marriage. 
Satan shoots the arrow of lust. He entices with pornography to destroy your commitment to sexual morality. But more than that is happening. The pornography is actually changing who you are on the inside. It's actually destroying you. Little by little, it is destroying you on the inside. Satan shoots his arrows of doubt. Maybe it is the loss of a friendship. Maybe it is the loss of a job. Maybe it is some illness that you have. But there are all these hurts and pains and struggles, and there begins to, he shoots these arrows of doubt. Do you really honestly believe that God cares about you? With all that you're going through, how could you even believe God loves you? God doesn't care about you. God doesn't love you. You're all alone. There's nobody here with you. He shoots the arrows of doubt. He shoots the arrows of criticism. And someone close to you, someone that you love, wounds you to the core. Psalm 64, verse 3, they sharpen their tongues like a sword. They bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words that they may shoot in secret at the blameless. And when you begin to feel those arrows, arrows of criticism that you know you don't deserve, there is that sense inside of retaliation, but then you remember Romans 12, 21, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Satan is coming against your life. He knows your hot buttons and he knows mine. So what are the arrows that he is shooting in your way? The erosion of your marriage? The breaking down of your more moral values, the doubt, the despair. The Bible says in John, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It is your trust in God that shields your life. How can you know How does a person know that they're demonstrating faith? How do you demonstrate faith and trust toward God? It's called obedience. Oh, faith is not a feeling. Well, I just need to muster up more feeling of faith. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is an action. Faith is the decision to obey God when you don't want to. It's a decision to be willing to trust God when nothing makes sense to you. It is the willingness to trust the promise of God when it has not yet materialized. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is a decision. I will obey God. So don't stop trusting God for your marriage. God is at work in your heart. He's at work in your mate's heart. Keep trusting God. Keep letting God change you. Keep letting God refine you. Keep letting God move you and and make you a better individual. Keep praying for your spouse. Keep praying for your marriage. Don't lose faith in your marriage. 
And don't lose faith in your children. As your children are growing up, you're wanting them to grow strong and wise and be a godly young man, a godly young woman. You have great faith and aspiration for your children. Keep trusting God for your children, for their future. And even when they grow and they don't walk with God, keep trusting God for your children. Let God be at work in their heart. Let God change their heart and keep praying for them and trusting God for your children. Keep trusting God for your career. Keep trusting God for every area of your life, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, because your faith in God is the shield of your life. What happens to us sometimes is that we get out from under the shield. We begin to be tempted in this area or that. Whatever is our hot button, And when we get out from beyond the shield, all of a sudden we begin to be struck by the arrows. Go back to God. Ask forgiveness for the things that you've done and get back behind that shield. Your faith in God. Your faith in God demonstrated by your obedience to God. Your faith in God shields your life. This is what Paul is telling us. There is a second armament that he tells us about in this passage. It's the fifth weapon, the helmet, the eternal assurance of a secure salvation. He says in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. We just talked about the fact that when these flaming arrows come, we put the shield up. Our shield protects us. But what he is talking about here is something even deeper, something that goes to the very core of your heart. Do I really know Him? Does God really still love me? Am I really still a part of God? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8 says, We wear as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. Don't let anyone tell you that you can't know whether you're really saved. You can't know for sure. You just got to live a good life the best you can. When you get to the end, you got to hope for the best. Well, at the end, it's a little bit too late if you ask me. Plus, the Bible never says that at all. The Bible says you and I can know that we know that we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, that we are a child of God. It isn't a hope so. It's not a uh, maybe so. You and I can know God and know Him as our personal Savior, and we can know that we are His child. The Bible teaches us that we, if we truly accepted Christ as our Savior, we are safe because God tells us He will never throw us away. Roman soldiers wore a helmet, and the helmet was made, first of all, of leather on the inside, and the outside was covered with metal. Here's a picture of one of those. You see how it would wrap around the head, and even toward the face, it would help protect the face. Look at the next picture because it shows you the backside. Even across the back of the neck and over the top of the shoulders, it was an amazing piece of equipment. You and I have been given a helmet as well. Paul says, our helmet is our assurance of our security in Christ. You can know that you know that you know that you belong to Him and that you are saved 
forever and a part of his family forever. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, My sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give to them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. He is describing something like this. Here you are. You have given your heart to Christ. Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? The Bible says that if you will say with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, meaning, Lord Jesus, I want you to be the Lord, the boss of my life, and I yield my life to you. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. To believe in your heart does not mean, well, of course I believe in the resurrection. I certainly believe that there's a God, and I certainly believe that Jesus is God's Son. No, it's more than that. That's to believe in your mind, but to believe in your heart is to, say, is to, to come to a commitment to him. I so believe that Jesus is the Son of God, so believe that he rose again from the grave, that I commit my heart to Jesus Christ by faith. That moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You turn from your sin. You, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you rose again from the grave to the point that I commit my life to you. The Bible says that we are as in the hand of Jesus Christ himself, and he closes that hand of protection over us. And if that, as if that wasn't enough, the Father puts his hand over the Son's hand, and he call, gives us security. He gives us protection. And he says, there is no one that can snatch you out of God's hand. There is no one with the power to take you out of the hand of Jesus Christ. You are safe. You are secure in him. I don't work for my salvation. I work from my salvation. This is the key to understand it all. We don't work for our salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God. God gives us the gift of eternal life. You and I can never earn it, and we can never keep it of our own volition and our own ability. I can't get myself to heaven, and I can't keep myself in heaven. But by the, the grace of Almighty God, He offered the gift of eternal life, and I simply work out of this salvation that He gave to me and that He holds me securely in His hand. This is the confidence that we have in Him. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says, What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who cares who's against us if God is for us? Amen. Who cares who's against us? For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor Satan and his demonic realm, neither the present nor what is coming in the future, nor any powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? I want you to hear this. He wants you to understand your security in Him. Once you become a child of God, you are a child of God.
But wait a minute. What happens when I sin and I mess up? And so I can just sin like the devil and I'm a child of God and I'm just perfectly fine. No, the Bible says you and I are safe and secure when we have given our heart to Jesus Christ. But it also says that when we mess up, God disciplines us just like a good parent would do. Listen to what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes those he accepts as his children. Our Father has said to us, I love you so much. You are my son. You are my daughter. You're my child. But I'm going to tell you, when you begin to mess up, I know how to get your attention. Have you ever experienced the discipline of God in your life? You experience God getting your attention. I know how to get your attention. And if I come in conviction and you do not clean up your act, I will keep up in the game. I will keep coming at you. I will keep doing whatever it takes to get your attention and bring you back around. But I won't throw you away. You are secure in me. Kathy and I have two sons, Matthew and Jonathan. And just like you, when you have children, grandchildren, they are the joy of your heart. Once you bring that little baby into the world, it's like I never even knew what love was until this baby showed up. And when we had our two sons, it was the greatest thing I had ever experienced in my life. Now, we raised two good guys, two good, who are now godly men. We raised two good boys. But let me tell you something, ever so often they disobeyed their mother and they disobeyed their father. And don't let them tell you that they were perfect because I'm here to tell you they were not. And when they messed up, they did what was wrong. We disciplined them. And when they royally messed up, we royally disciplined them. And you know why we did it? Because we love them. And we know that if we do not do that, they, will, they would be spoiled rotten. And it's our job as loving parents to help keep our children going in the right direction. And our Heavenly Father does the same. Well, even though they messed up, did you know there was not even a day that I was tempted to throw them away? Our sons knew this, that no matter what they did, no matter how bad they were, they got disciplined, but their mother and their father would never throw them away. And they were secure in that. Maybe you're thinking, you know, maybe you should have tried another tactic. Tell them you mess up again and you're out on the street. That will get their attention. No, that will cause them to have all kinds of psychological problems. No, there is one thing that is safe and secure. You are our sons, and we're your parents, and we will love you forever. That security. If a mom and a dad that is as flawed as Kathy and I are 
could love our two sons that much, how much more our Heavenly Father loves us. He knows how to get your attention, but He will never throw you away. That's what Paul is saying when he says, and the helmet of our salvation. That's what 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8 is saying. We wear as our helmet the confidence, the security of our salvation. If we've ever accepted Christ, God reminds us that our forever is with Him and ultimately we win. Listen to what he says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. For God has reserved a priceless inheritance for His children. It is kept in heaven for you. Are you a child of God? He has an inheritance for you that is kept. It means secure. In heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And God in his mighty power will protect you until you receive this salvation, the fulfillment of it, because you are trusting him. Let the enemy attack. Let him shoot the fiery uh, arrows at us. Let him come and do his best. And there will be times in which we do wrong and we need to get right again with God and we need to have repentance in our heart and get back behind the shield. But this one thing I know, he will never throw you away. He'll never throw me away. He is going to secure me all the way into his presence and you too. It is the helmet of salvation. It is the security that you've been given in God because you need that security. You need the sense of, God, you'll discipline me. Go ahead and do it. Get me right. But, oh, God, thank you that you love me so much. You will never throw me away. Have you come to know this God in your life? If you haven't, you can today. Have you ever received this Jesus Christ in your heart? If you haven't, you can today. Come and know this God who loves you. Come to know this God that wants to bring you into his family and never let you go. Keep you safe and secure all the way home. This morning, would you give your heart to Christ? There's some of you that know Christ. You're visiting the church. There's a sense in your heart, man, this place feels like home. You can make that official today. Come and join this church. There are many in this room say, I already have accepted Christ as my Savior. I'm already a part of this church. But I've been walking away from God. I've been getting out from under the shield. I need to get my heart, my life back up behind that shield again. I need somebody to pray for me. Right through the center doors and across the short for you, there's a room called Next Step Center. As soon as you walk out of these doors, the Next Step Center is right there. Go and talk to one of our ministers. Would you help me know how to know Jesus? Would you help me know how to join this church? Would you just pray with me? Would you just pray with me? Next Step Center, in just a couple of moments, let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth of your word, the strength that you have given to us, the shield of faith, the helmet of our salvation. Father, I pray you'd move in hearts today to say yes to you and that there will be many today that will give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Many today that will join this church, many today that are Christians that will recommit hearts today. Oh, God, move in hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.